Welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most. Because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that I give them in a shade. Gentlemen, you are listening to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. We really appreciate that you're tuning in. I'm your host, Mark Palmer, and today we have a fantastic guest. Her name is Monica Perez. She is the one of two co-hosts on the Propaganda Report. For those who don't know, the Propaganda Report covers everything you need to know going on today without... The agenda, and I'm not going to explain it too much because Monica does a fantastic job of explaining it herself, which is all the more reason to go and check out the propaganda report. I rely on it to stay informed and not get a headache while staying informed because when I turn on a television, I tend to kind of get real pissed off because it's just bullshit. It's just lies and, you know, you're here. Your family probably thinks you're crazy like mine does, so you get it. But anyways, don't fret. Life is good for me. I hope it's good for you. Things are going great with this podcast. And if you want to know exactly what I mean by that, tune into the Patreon. Because every day I'm giving you an episode straight from me. Okay, I'm talking to you directly about what's going on in the now, in the real. It's called the synchronization experiment in the ever-present, ever-changing now. So I hope you'll join me there at My Family Thinks I'm Crazy on Patreon. And stay tuned and tune in. Thank you. Peace. I read a C.S. Lewis thing a long time ago, so I probably got it completely wrong. But he was saying this is the realm of Lucifer. Like the fallen angel came to earth. He fell to earth. This is his realm. And we're not here to, to win here. We're not here to dominate this earth.
that's definitely a false flag. Like, and then I dug into that story. Oh, you would not fucking believe how crazy that story was. I can't get into it now. But, uh, but I was 100% right. But I didn't dig into it when I knew I was right. I just was like, that thing served his purpose. And it's not being treated, it's not being covered, like, honestly, in the news, like, what is? But it's not being... It was just so weird and I knew it was false light because I had just learned to recognize the connection between a policy agenda and then the immediate action, propaganda of the deed that supported it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. I've got the whole gang here, finally. Uh, Tim, Chris, Adam, Jay, how are you guys? Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Hello, it's Thank been a you. long time, Mark. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to have you guys back. But today, you made it just in time, because our guest, Monica Perez, is fantastic. Her Drive Time News Blast is in my ears weekly, because it's the best way to stay up to date and parse through the propaganda that's being dispensed at us constantly. But Monica, thank you for joining us. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, This looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, wow. Thank you. We appreciate that. So, you know, uh, the name of the show, my family thinks I'm crazy. They probably wouldn't listen to the propaganda report, but I will say your Tuesday episodes are fantastic. I loved it because I was able to share it with all these guys. And within five minutes, they knew exactly what they were getting into. So that's the kind of educational, you know, novelty that I try to bring to this podcast, make it approachable, you know, and you're doing that. That was born. So on Saturday, I do a show every weekday with my co-host, Brad Binkley. And uh, we just said, okay, share the show Tuesday, just ask people to share the show on Tuesdays, and I had like a little bit of a crisis of purpose. I thought, what is the point? Like, are we, are we going to ever win this battle? Or am I only preaching to the choir? Like, why do I even read the news? And I started talking to people about it, just, you know, friends or even just reflecting on it. And I realized that not only while we're living in the world or our kids are living in the world or mother-in-law lives in our house or whatever, do we have to kind of stay informed to respond to them? But even if you want to go full, full Agora homesteader, which I would love to do. I mean, even though I'm from Brooklyn, it's kind of theoretical. I just kind of try to prompt my sons and my husband to like grow stuff and I'll make the cocktails with the chicken eggs at the end. Sounds gross, but it's very delicious. So, uh, but even if that's where you want to go, uh, they, basically the powers that be have taken over all the property. They claim a right to tell you how to live. Like if you look at the history of Georgia, like the Indians weren't allowed to keep their own land if they didn't sign up for the constitution, that kind of thing. And I feel like if you, even if you're going to do that, you still have to know how they're using the laws and the force that they have. You know, you might have to go to city hall or something and defend your gun rights on a local level or even water rights or like Ice Age Farmer talks about, they come and kill your chickens. So you have to have one foot in the world. And I and I think that's what um, Higher Side Chats, he says it like that. But uh, I concluded that's true. And then I realized, okay, so I have to, I have to keep reading the newspaper as much as I hate it because I have to stay informed. And and that is the reason why we should. And I thought it would be good to share that because people didn't know how to 
how to turn people on to a, a show that talks about the news, but what the purpose of the news is, not what the, the people try to tell you what the news is telling you, but the news is never there to tell you what's happening. It, it's only there to serve a purpose. And that's what I try to get at. And it's good to know what the purpose is as well as to know what the news is because that is how they kind of direct it. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're absolutely right. It's, it's more about framing the narrative than actually educating people on anything. So my question is, when did this dawn on you? Because now you're bringing that opportunity to other people. When did this all dawn on you? Well, it's funny because I really didn't mean to. And I, as I was saying before we started, like I always hated reading the newspaper and even like watching politicians, even when I was a kid, the state of the union address would come on and I would have to leave the room. And I asked my mother, no, why, why can't I stand it? I just can't stand it. She says, cause you just can't stand the lion. You hate the lies. So, and she was right. Like, I just couldn't stand it. I had a visceral reaction to it. So I was an investment banker and I, cause I grew up, I was the youngest of nine. I just aspired to have it living alone basically. And I, I really thought I had to just hit the, the ball out of the park to live alone. I didn't realize how easy I, I could have done that when I was a waitress. So I, so, but the, my big problem, and I, I went to I got graduate degrees and everything, but the one thing I just could not bring myself to do was read the news every day. I couldn't do it. And it really made me suffer as a, as a banker and an investor. It was my weak point. And so I had kids and I wanted to do something with finance because that was interesting to me. So in, I had a lot of time. So I, or I had time and the kids were napping to study. I couldn't work. So like at that point. So I went to get my CFA, which is a chartered financial analyst. It takes three years of testing to get this. And then you get like a license to run a hedge fund or be work at a hedge fund just. And my mind was on fire while I was doing all this studying because it's really hard. And, uh, and at the same time, I kind of, I don't know how I stumbled upon Hans Hermann Hoppe, Hans Hermann Hoppe, but like just the, my open brain, the way they do 9-11 and then tell you, you know, Middle Eastern terrorists, like they open your brain up and they can dump whatever they want in there. My brain was completely open to the, because of the stimulation from studying that thing. And then I, Hans Hermann Hoppe fell in it. And I, so then I just like the scales fell from my eyes and I just like, I saw Republicans and Democrats, I would just laugh. I would say, you're, you don't understand. Like you're looking at me, you think I'm a Republican, which I have never been. You're looking at, you think I'm a Republican and you see like all these assholes behind me who are Republican politicians and you're a Democrat, but you don't see, cause you're not looking over your shoulder, all the assholes behind you, which are the, what I see is all those Democrat politicians, but it's just a joke. Like there's no, nobody's good. There are no heroes, whatever. And, and what if I thought that the Republicans really corrupt and I really, or the Democrats or whatever, you could just switch sides. The politicians and I, you would use Hillary as an example. I was like, she's a Republican. They call her Hillary. Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> so, so, you know, people can't get their minds around that, but that's how I was thinking of it. And then, then I didn't care about anything. Then I was like full Lysandra Spooner. It's like, I don't, I don't care about the constitution. I don't care about anything. And I was sitting at a wedding. I've told this part a lot, many times, but I was sitting at the wedding next to basically the only other person who spoke English. She was a uh, radio producer at WSB. I lived in Atlanta at the time. And I just like started telling her how the idea of government, the necessity of government 
like that assumption that you make that you never even think you don't even formulate the question like is government necessary like you just never even think to think that is very similar in my opinion to what they thought in the middle ages which was like the question of the existence of god was like almost unthinkable it didn't really make sense to ask the question in the same way it doesn't make sense to ask the question and i said but but government isn't necessary and then and it's and it's self-ordering like it's a pathocracy and i kind of speculate i didn't i my eyes were not open to 9-11 until i realized i was like so the government sells defense so they must keep us afraid and then i was like so they're gonna just do bad shit, right and i was like oh they're already doing that so I was just telling her, I mean, I was an anarchist and she just thought that was hilarious. And I was like, no, I'm serious. And she was like, she thought that was even better. And she was basically libertarian. So she liked it. And she introduced me to her boss and I started, he was great. And I, and he immediately put me on the air and I had a weekend show. And I was like, do I have to start reading the newspaper? And she's like, yeah, I think you have to, you have to know what's going on. I was like, okay. So I'd read it like on Fridays. My show is on Saturday. So whatever's in the news on Friday, I would talk about and then after that, I, and then like I thought, well, I have to come to terms with the Constitution and the Bill of, well, the Constitution, because that's what, nobody's going to understand me on the conservative, like Rush Limbaugh was on that channel. And I started thinking, about it, I was like, you know what, the Bill of Rights is our end of the bargain. And we didn't sign off on it, but there's no reason for us to give up on our end of the bargain. You know, we, we're, it's like slaves and it's just like, I'm not, you know, I'm not even sleeping in the cabin. I'm just going to sleep on the, you know, in the woods outside. It's like, well, you might as well sleep in the cabin until you can figure a way to escape the plantation. So I kind of went down that road and it was pretty good when Obama was president, because everyone was like, yeah, Bill of Rights, government bad. And then Trump was president. They're like, someone literally said this to me when I quoted the Constitution. You are quibbling about semantics. I was like, okay, now this is Trump has totally hijacked anything that Ron Paul had done and totally destroyed anything that was valuable when, when the enemy was in power. And even that I could get through, but that great program director uh, was leaving as a new company took over my the station and a I had a new producer who said, oh, I love the podcast you're doing with Brad, you know, on the side. I love it. Like you should bring that to the air. And I was like, you but you know that like I just don't pull any punches on that. Like people are going to go running and screaming. And I was told that I wasn't allowed to the only rule was like, no one should go running and screaming. I was like, they're going to go running and screaming. It's like, no, no, it's going to be great. Just totally let your hair down. It's like, okay. So very soon thereafter, it's like my last show. And Binkley laughs. He's like, I think in, in the first half hour, we covered 9-11, the Boston Marathon bombing, event 201, uh, like Epstein and Stacey Abrams. And boy, we we were gone by the end of the month. And then but but it was a great opportunity because we had been or i had been so well trained to, for eight and a half years to be that was the number one news talk station in the country to like he this guy program director had the guy before me was there for 13 years before he got a daily show like it was just how it was and i was really learning and i just thought i'm never ever getting a daily show i might as well just do it and it's much better now because I really can let my hair down and call it as I see it and nobody can stop me. I mean, I've been deplatformed a few times, but I feel like 
funny that you should say like nobody would ever li- your family wouldn't listen to me. I feel like I'm pretty, I'm pretty. I I don't I don't think I'm that out there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I think I think what I'm talking about is obvious. Yeah. No. And that's that's absolutely. <clears throat> A fair point to bring up. I think the name itself, sadly, would might turn people away. Uh, but yeah, it's not nothing to take personally because these are people who don't really think critically when it comes to questioning established beliefs, right? But one of the things you brought up that I'm kind of got hints of is this Hegelian dialect that you're noticing, where it's the two sides. One of them, you know, seems great to the the people on their side, you know, and it's just two sides fighting each other. But ultimately, there's that puppeteer, there's that third factor. And I think that's kind of the point I got from the episode I showed these guys, when you were talking about how, you know, the news is never going to tell you their agenda, you know, they're just going to tell you what suits their agenda. And that you know, that's the Hegelian dialect, get people to fight with each other. And you see it with the presidents. I mean, we go from a Democrat to a Republican to a Democrat to a Republican, they're all still in the Middle East fighting wars, you know. So when you made this transition into, you know, obviously, not giving a care about censorship, because you're doing the podcasting thing, free speech, I think podcasting is a place for free speech. Um, what 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 did you start to realize? I mean, what were you black pilled, red pilled? I mean, some people talk about this kind of like black pill where you're doomed, you're gonna kind of yeah. get doom and gloom about things. Was that ever your case? I it's funny, my mother again, she's basically and she's 92 now, but she's an insomniac and an avid radio listener. And from the beginning, like she wasn't particularly impressed that I was on the radio. She was like, I told you a long time ago, you should do that or like be a news anchor. I'm like, ma, you don't just get to be a new, you know what I mean? Like right down and apply for a job as a news anchor. So, which I could never be a news anchor from the beginning because I immediately called out Fox as being full of shit. <laughs> but she, so she would say, I'm telling you, there's no value whatsoever if you're going to be negative. You got to be upbeat. And I, I'd say, Ma, I'm reading the newspaper every day. How can I, I can barely stay upbeat, much less tell people about it and be upbeat. Well, if you can't find a way to have a laugh, I, it's, you can't listen to it. And it was so hard for years and years. So I tried to uh, be upbeat. And, and once in a while, I'll get criticized for that in that people say, well, you're, uh, you think it's funny or you think it's amusing to crack the code. And, uh, but we, we have to live in this world. Like I have kids. I I'm really worried about the world, really worried. Like I, I, I just, so it's very hard to strike that balance, but, but I do, I think I do it, which is one reason I really like Binkley as a co-host. Cause he, he also finds the humor in it, but I, that was a good practice in not allowing myself to get totally black pilled because in her way, she was just saying it's not entertaining. But for me, I realized it was, it was not useful. It's not useful to do that. I mean, the only way to come out of that is suicide or alcoholism, uh, right? Or, or so, but it's not to say that the, that 
we have hope on earth. I read a C.S. Lewis thing a long time ago, so I probably got it completely wrong. But he was saying this is the realm of Lucifer. Like the fallen angel came to earth. He fell to earth. This is his realm. And we're not here to, to win here. We're not here to dominate this earth. So then I started thinking... It's so, it could be so easy to think, and I, and this is how I try to live, so easy to think that our only test, that the only thing St. Peter's going to ask when you die is, have you ever voted for evil? And you're going to be like, well, I voted for the lesser of two evils. And he's <laughs> like, ding, wrong, like not correct. All you had to do was not participate in evil. That's all you had to, but I wanted to win. You know, you could have won if you just didn't participate in the evil. So I feel like the hope, the, the white pill is, and someone called me the pink pill because I'm red pilled and I'm white pilled. So uh, that, the, that the real, the answer might not be winning here, winning this fight, but if you think of it as a personal journey, which really speaks to my individualism, like my my propensity to individualism, I think not everybody's like that, but as you know, that's why I'm a libertarian. If you think of it that way, you will actually, you could actually win the earth. Like if enough people did that, because it's really the only thing you can do is like to live with honesty and integrity, like really look at, like don't if if what you really want to do is get off work at five o'clock and have a couple of beers, but you act like you're mad at your boss for exploiting you as labor, that's not being honest with yourself. You know, you have to be honest, really honest about what what your motives are, what your problems. And that I had to do on the radio because I got a lot of phone calls and they would call me out and it would be very stressful on the air. So I really got to know myself. But if you did it that way, individually, you wouldn't let them frame, like you were saying earlier, like you wouldn't let them frame the issues for us. And, and the way they frame them is always the negative. It's always fear. It's always fear. And, and I think that's because they know that the one inherent moral that everyone has, and it's because it's like so wedded to our sense of self-preservation, is the non-aggression principle, like the not first mover, is self-defense. Like the only legitimate reason to use violence on somebody else, that us 7 billion people minus the PTB, the powers that be, the 7 billion people all know that we're much more likely to be on the sharp end of the spear than holding the handle. So we all inherently know, like even if you talk to communists, like they do not want, very rarely do you have somebody who like wants to be on the, on the losing end of that spear. So they have to sell fear all the time. That's all that, that's the only universal legitimacy that government can really claim. So they, they always do the fear. So if you, that's why I think it, many people have mentioned that during this time, the natural healers, natural medicine people, but the religious people were, were less prone to fall for the, the COVID, the, the being COVIDoid. They just couldn't, they just didn't care. Because if your goal, that's why the Pope complete, you know, I was already down on the Pope for many reasons, but he made, to me, the one single error that totally outs him as like, I'm not gonna call him an anti-pope or, you know, whatever, but I don't know what the fuck he is. But what he said, what he did was he, 
we were all afraid of death, right? Let's just say that, that we accept that he was responding to the fact that we're all afraid of death. And what does he do? He closes the churches. I mean, if anyone on earth should have been like, hey, man, come to church. Let's die in here. It's perfect. Perfect. You know, we never have to go through another election and we can just we should just go. And instead, he's like, you know, so me and a lot of other people, I mean, I was I could say that I returned to the church. I mean, I still don't know whether there's a God or not, but I like being Catholic, whatever. And I, I don't like to say the rosary, but I go to church. And like, there's a couple of things you have to do. Go to church, basically. Not screw around. So I can do that easily. So I do. And my kids always liked it. I was, I didn't even care if my kids did it or my husband, he converted. It's like kind of funny. It's kind of like that thing where I'm not afraid. I don't care. And they just gravitated towards it. So in all that time, that was at least 10 years. I never, I never missed mass. I never had to confess not going to mass because I like it. And, uh, I like don't even I, I sometimes I go and sometimes I don't go. The Pope did that on purpose, you know, by making us all stay home for a year. Now my kids are like, what do you mean we're going to mass? Like they get all pissed off. And I'm like, we go to mass at 930. Like since when? I'm like, yeah, you're right. It's been like a year and a half. I mean, we wow. still haven't walked inside my local church. We sit outside sometimes. We had the confirmation. My kids got confirmation with basically no training. And the priest, the bishop didn't even show up. The priest must be a bishop. And uh, the priest to take a picture with us, he stood six feet away and made us all wear masks. I'm like, I don't need you in this picture. Just like, yeah. give us the cross, like the big crucifix. I don't need you and the mask. And then my kids are like, wear the mask. I go, what the fuck are you kidding? <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. the Pope like really let us down on all that. And that's, and what we could have beaten this whole thing. It was all about the fear. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree. And I understand a lot of that. I grew up Roman Catholic. We're all from Connecticut. So not yep. too far from where you're from, you know, we get it. Yeah. We're East Coasters, but yeah, I I completely resonate with what you're saying with this like realization that it's ultimately spiritual. You know, some people uh, you know take it with one religion or another, but it's something Sam Tripoli has been saying a lot lately. It's like all conspiracy leads to spirituality, you know. And when you do see all this stuff going on in the world, yeah, you have this empowering moment of like, well, somebody's got to change it. Maybe I should change myself and let that change reflect on what I can control, right? You know, we were just talking to a guy, Tim Grimes, whose whole philosophy is just stop thinking, you know, just stop thinking, you know, and really interesting podcast. But after, you know, all of what's been said and, and all of what you've learned over the years, I mean, what are some of the top like points of interest that you've noticed from, from doing the propaganda report each week? Like, would it, would it be what's going on with the, with the vax? Would it be what's going on in the middle East? Where's the most interesting point for you? I I'm so fascinated with, and I have not found the answer and I, and I just don't know. I think the answer is knowable and I would have to stop doing the propaganda report and do some real hardcore research, but I, I bet I could come to a conclusion I was satisfied with, but I ask everybody this. I, I often ask people when I do interviews, what this question, what uh, it's two things. What is the true nature of power? The true system of power. Who's at the top of the power pyramid on earth? And then as just a 
you know, more important question, but not a question I think I could ever answer because I literally went back to the Greeks and I was like, if they haven't answered it and we have made no progress whatsoever, we're still like even posing it in the same terms as a question, what is the true nature of power in the universe? So that would be very interesting to me, the universe thing, but I have concluded like the yogi that uh, the question of God, of the existence of God is unanswerable and irrelevant because the conclusion would be the same, which is why like my mother, if I became a yogi, she would just be like, she'd be fine with that. She, she goes to church like four hours a day, but she'd be fine if I was just a yogi. So is that you, you need to free yourself from desire which is what she does and what, uh, you know, what the yogi does. So, I mean, whoever the yogi is, I guess it was the Patanjali or I don't know what the Buddha, but um, just when I read the yoga sutras and I just thought about that and the swamis, when I went through that phase, which is very illuminating that you don't, that, that question, you cannot answer it and it's not important. And, and my mother came to the same conclusion when she was 19. She said, I just, you know, I don't have the answers, like why be Catholic or whatever. She said, it's just, I, when I was 19, I just figured it was a better way to live. So I live that way. And she's right. I think that's why I do it. I don't do it like her. I really do not. But I just, I barely, I barely, I try not to do any like mortal sins that I was like, you know, damned to hell kind of stuff. I just try to carry that little superstition around with me. Oh, yeah. But then, but the power, the true nature of power on earth, that's the question, you know, and I, and I do believe it's answerable. And I, you know, I used to joke because if you, this is something that I find really puzzling and you guys might, and I like I, on the radio, I can never even posit this and I would not normally even ever bring it up. But if you start asking that question on the internet, like all along, so before it was completely shut down in 2018, which I remember the day I called it, it was the Parkland shooting because I could always figure out everything. Any false flag, I was like, that guy, that guy, this guy. And that was the one I couldn't find anything. I said, oh, today the internet shut, shut down. And then I got booted from WordPress six months later. I was like, oh, I am I got shut. At, this is how they do it. So, but uh, before that, I was all along able to figure out, uh, I, I was, when I was trying to ask those questions, it would always go to like anti-Semitism. Do you ever notice that? Like, yes. they, and something that stuff that, is not purged even now. Yeah. It's something that uh, past guest Chris Milligan mentioned. I don't know if you're familiar. He's uh, yeah. the owner of Trine Day. It's a really great publishing company. They've published some I've really heard of fantastic uh, books in this realm but yeah he mentioned on the show back in the 60s 70s when he was kicking around different bookshops he would find these like formula books and it would be geared towards a certain group of people and it would blame uh you know all of the world's problems on another group of people and you would find these sort of formulas and i think it could be you know a remnant of that a lot of the conspiracy culture of the south was very heavy into you know anti uh, Semitism and, and this sort of thing. But yeah, it is very interesting, uh, especially when you go back and you look at Rome and, and their relationship with the Jewish people all the way back to, you know, when they destroyed Rome or Jerusalem and then took Josephus on and Josephus went and rewrote all this stuff about Jewish history. So yeah, I think oh, you know, it's really? definitely, go ahead. 
Yeah. So, but maybe that time was when the report from Iron Mountain came out and they wanted to identify a despised minority. And I thought, well, you just think minority, you think black, but maybe it was Jewish. And, and it could be like a deeper rabbit hole, of course, where they, they, that, so my, my, like the reason I said that was part of a bigger thing is like, I always make the joke, like, I don't know if it's the lizards, if it's the Jews, if it's, Israel, if it's the queen, if it's the dragon family, if it's, you know, aliens from outer space, like, I don't know. You know, you want to say it's the bankers. I talked to Massimo Matsuko the other day who did those great documentaries. I'm sure you know. Uh, and he said it's like big pharma is actually the, you know, as close to the top of the pyramid. Is it the Pope? People would say that. So I, you know, I can, I imagine I could find the answer eventually but you know, maybe not. Maybe they, maybe there are th roadblocks thrown up there. And so, when it gets to where people start, they go the like the alien route that there's something not earthly about the power structure, or even that it's occultism or religion or the Zion thing, or it, like any of that. As this, I go back and forth between believing that it has to be like to do 9-11, you know, that looks like a black mass to me. You know, that just uh, that's just beyond anything I can think of. But it also carries on the tradition of the draft. You know, you have a war to change the world in your favor and you draft people and you kill them, the best and the brightest, the 18 year old, the strong kids who come up with courage and, you know, self-sacrifice and you kill them. And uh, so they just only killed 3000 people that day. They drafted those people. And, you know, that's how I think they could have thought of it if they were still in the earthly realm. But, you know, it really feels occult to me. And what they're doing now feels occult to me. And then but it could just be simple money and power. Like it might, it might cut across any of those groups that you, that you're told might be the culprit. And it might be nothing like that at all. It's just power hungry. People just can never stop acquiring. And, but one thing is for sure that gets, I think, under, you know, underplayed even among intellectuals. It's like a ridiculous that they don't notice this intergenerational the intergenerational power that can come from you having a really rich, educated person. Like look at John D. Rockefeller. He lived 90 years or more. He was, let's call him the smartest guy in the world, the richest guy in the world, the most sinister guy in the world. He was raised by a snake oil salesman and he had 95 years to figure it all out at the dawning of oil, which he monopolized, let's say. Then he taught his long lived sons and grandsons all of those things. And you just think about the, 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 what you could accomplish if you had 300 years of sinister brain power and phenomenal wealth and your goal was power. Like, so I'm not going to say it's just, you know, I, I don't think upstarts really have any claim to power, like a Travis Kalanick who did Uber. Like he was, you know, many are called, few are chosen. He was called and I figured this out. This is the thing. I mean, I'm like, oh, I figured this out. That's not what I mean. Like, I was able to figure, like, I really feel like if I had a year off, I could figure it out. But what they did, I was like, that guy was an asshole all along, seemed like an asshole. And it was a funny asshole, like Elon Musk, like, haha, he's just an asshole. And then all of a sudden, he was an asshole, had to go. I was like, what? What happened there? And I, and I found that exact timeline was when he did that project Grayball or Operation Grayball, where the government was trying to hijack their data on drivers and passengers, and he would make software to make it impossible for them to do that, to like discover, you know, bots or fake 
riders or whatever it was. And they did not like that. And he wouldn't step down. He wouldn't step down. He wouldn't step down. And the reason I looked into it is because one day he stepped down because his mother was killed in a freak accident. And before I looked up what his backstory was, I said, I'm positive this guy isn't married because if he were, it would have been his wife. So I don't think you can just enter those realms of power without drinking the baby's blood or having a ritual like in a tomb or whatever. But so the real big, big question to me is what is the true nature of power at the very top? And does it have a, a bigger goal than just money and power? And, and I guess like transhumanism, I haven't really dug into that, but I imagine that the, a lot of the answers are there. And I knew a really rich guy from an old family once, really nice guy. I went out with him for a while. It was so cute. And he, uh, I, I talked, I still keep in touch with him. And I asked him once, I was like, I said, well, so who's, who is the most powerful person in the world? And he said, I'm not talking influence. I'm talking power. I said, yeah, yeah. I want to know power. He said, you're Pope. And I was like, my Pope. I was like, really? He said, it's the Pope. And I, I thought, wow, I, I find that so hard to believe. But now I see we never could have had COVID without the Pope. It started in Italy, right? Like, and they closed the churches in Italy, all that first. And I just, so now I feel like I have to go down the Vatican rabbit hole. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know which I, is it, which one? Yeah, no, I think that is a deep, deep well that's worth going into because from what I've researched, it, it seems like, you know, everything that's gone on in European history is very important. And the Roman Catholic Church has the word Roman in it for a very important reason. And the Roman Empire, you know, ended, quote unquote, but I don't really believe it ended. I mean, look at where we are here in America and all of the etymological implications for even the names of the places we live in. New York. York was a Roman outpost in Britain, you know? So, and you know this all too well. You were there, you were in the mix of it. I'm someone who, you know, lives not too far from New Haven and Skull and Bones had a really strong impact on me when I was at community college in the same sort of area. And one person that just, you know, as life goes synchronistically, I meet this one person, teaches me a lot. And one of the things he said that you kind of brought to mind is follow the money, right? Because I was asking him all these questions, you know, this really strange, wise guy. And I've talked about a bunch on this podcast, but he said, follow the money, you know, and that always stuck with me. And when you look at the three places in the world where there's no sort of governmental body, they're not a part of any country, it's the Vatican, it's the Bank of London, and it's Washington, D.C., right? These are these three geographical locations where they are not a part of any country's borders. I mean, obviously, they're these small little like rich colonies like what's that country in between france and spain Liechtenstein? uh no boy, Luxembourg? Another one, the, the one that starts with an m i'm thinking of but it's in between oh. and spain and all the you know tax there well no that's that's another european is country that, is that not real we, no that's <laughs> another european country we'll go we'll go we don't need to go down that too far but yeah i think that follow the money is something that really rings true for me. And you started, you know, as an investment banker, right? So 
It's really interesting, your background, and, and I'm sure that helps you understand what's going on. One thing I remember hearing you say uh, in a past podcast is that the Boston bombing had a big impact on waking up. So, you know, false flags, when they happen, you know, whether it's the Vegas shooting or any of the other shootings, there's always um, a solution that's put in front of the people right away, like a, a quick answer, you know, with JFK, it was Lee Harvey Oswald, you know, with uh, RFK, it was Sirhan Sirhan, you know, they put these patsies or whatever it may be in the way right up the next day it happens, you know? So when you're digging further, what, what are some of the, the things you do, Monica? Is there any tips you have for uh, any researchers out there listening or would-be researchers? Well, I mean, it used to be very easy. I mean, you could just find the information out there. I mean, I, I really, I'm amassing books. Like I'm not, they're not going to be, but well, I mean, if there are, there are good books on the, on the false flags, like I'm, I have a little book by Jim Keith who died like weirdly after he wrote this book about Oklahoma city that I actually, I, you know, they really did crack down on the citizen information that you would get like from a false flag from people's phones and stuff. Like it's just gone. It makes no sense that it should be gone. But I think that if you if you think about Massimo Matsuko saying, I mean, it really stuck with me is that his stuff about big pharma being so important. And I and so for me, they you still can get science, you know, you can still get studies. And the studies are not good studies. Like if you look at the Pfizer and the Moderna trials, they're ridiculous. They're terrible. They're not pertinent to the to the first groups they rolled out. They they only did low-risk groups in the studies. And then they only rolled it out to high risk groups. It was so weird. I don't even know why they would do it like that, but that's how they did it. So, but you can read that. And anyone who really wants to get their, uh, the, the, the scales pulled from their eyes, I think you only need that one moment. So I knew about 9-11 and I would say, I didn't know what it was though. And I would say on the air, when I was on radio, I, it's not like I think 9-11 was an inside job. Like, And I would have people call, like, how do you not know that? And I would say, because I do not believe our government would do that. It's too evil. It's too evil to think Dick Cheney would just blow those people up. Then I saw the Boston Marathon bombing because I was on the air and I had to do a show and people would call me and it would freak me out. So I would have to always like, cause I was in paranoid cause I didn't keep up on the newspaper. Like it's all going full circle. And I was just like, I gotta read everything I can. I'm reading everything. So I would step all night reading all night. And uh, I mean, I was up for hours just piecing together who Sarnayev was. And I found that boxing article and I, you know, I mean, that's a, a, like a total rabbit hole, but once I think it was Mueller. It might have been Mueller. Somebody like that got up and said, uh, we're looking for these two guys, uh, guy one and guy two. They're terrorists. And if you can help find us, call 1-800-I-FOUND-A-TERRORIST. And I'm, and I'm thinking, those guys were in your terrorist database, and they lived one mile from the Boston Marathon bombing. There's no way you did not know. And then as soon as I realized that they were completely full of shit on that, then, then I realized that we had a, a, that my theorizing about how the government ultimately had to be a pathocracy, ultimately had to exercise its power against our interests since they sold us security and we needed to be afraid that they had already crossed that Rubicon, who knew when, but definitely 9-11. So one, the once that my, the scales fell from my eyes, 
I could just see the patterns and everything. And you know, I, I've done a lot. I, I've done a lot of those false flags. Like I can really see the patterns now, but I don't even care. So sometimes, maybe not lately, but Binkley would say, well, you don't know for sure that that's, so I was like, I don't, I'm not even looking into it. Like there's no doubt in my mind, Trump, <clears throat> I knew Trump was fake within one month of his announcing his campaign. And by fake, I mean, not what you see is what you get. Like he was the guy they were putting up because a month after he said, immigrants are rapists and nice people too. I am paraphrasing. I will get emails like, you didn't say that. You know what I'm saying? So a month later, <laughs> some immigrant shoots somebody in San Francisco and plays right into a story. And it's like, oh, that's definitely a false flag. Like, And then I dug into that story. Oh, you would not fucking believe how crazy that story was. I can't get into it now. But, uh, but I was 100% right. But I didn't dig into it when I knew I was right. I just was like, that thing served his purpose and it's not being treated. It's not being covered like honestly in the news, like what is, but it's not being, it was just so weird. And I knew it was false flag because I had just learned to recognize the connection between a policy agenda and then the immediate <clears throat> action propaganda of the deed that supported it. And those propaganda, those deeds were, were, you cannot, vet the details and get a coherent picture on the evidence alone. You have to only look at the details they feed you in the context of their agenda narrative. So it doesn't, it, so, so I would say pick one thing that you believe and maybe Deborah gets red pill. That's a podcast for, of a guy. I know Sam knows, I think. I've been on uh, it. Oh, you've been on it. Yeah. So <clears throat> he's doing exactly what you should do. Oh, and all you need is one. Like, I can't believe Deborah's not fully complete. It's a good thing she's not. I would like ruin it. But but if you just picked one, I think, and then then just approached with skepticism everything else, I think you would you would you would it doesn't even matter if you ever knew the truth about anything. This is what I would say on my show all the time because nobody wanted to hear it. I can't believe I was on the radio for so long. But nobody wanted to hear the conspiracy theories. And I was like, fine, it doesn't the only reason I'm telling you this is that you are not vigilant about your about justice and liberty for all. You're not vigilant about the Bill of Rights. You're letting it go because they're telling you that a bunch of Arabs want to kill you at your house. And that's not true. And if you believe that's true, if that's why you're willing to sacrifice all of your values instead of taking your chances with St. Peter, as tiny as that chance would be, even according to the official narrative, if that's what you need, if you are willing to sell us all down the river because you think that this is an intolerable risk, then I need to explain to you that it isn't. And you are required to figure out if, and this goes to the argument, what they're trying to tell you all the time is 10,000 years of civilization, thousands of years of law, 200 years of the United States being built on this basic principle of liberty, whether it's just lip service or not, that's what you believe is true. That's how you lived your life. It's what you t teach your ch kids. It's what you think when you're at church. You think you're the guy with the musket during the Revolutionary War. And I'm just, if, if you believe that it's so different, things are so different now that you have to give up on all that, 
the beginning of civilization we're talking about, the progress we have made in understanding human nature and the rules of society that will maximize our safety and our prosperity, which is liberty, because of this story you're told about some guy in the Pulse nightclub or whatever, whose father was in the Oval Office like a year before, like some crazy shit, like you'll see these pictures. If I need to explain to you that those guys aren't the real threat, I will, but here's the problem. It was too late then because that it's, it was Trump that revealed to me that the people who defended the Bill of Rights against Obama did not have the strength of character to defend it against someone that made them happy. Right. Yeah. And it's that same Hegelian dialect that they play off of, you know, and everybody's real frustrated. Now what's happening? You saw everybody get so frustrated with Trump that we had this big movement and they pushed Biden in and they even, you know, had to steal the election, do it according to most people you talk to. But yeah, I mean, as of right now, something really interesting that's going on concerning COVID is Fauci, right? He's apparently been caught. Uh, all of his messages, you know, throughout the past year have been exposed. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on all of this? <clears throat> well, first of all, I have this week off because of um, we have Binkley's mother died and his was very close to her. So we're taking this week off. And when I get a week off, as you know, I hate to read the newspaper. <clears throat> I haven't. However, I will say this. I, I mean, people will send me the stuff and, I, and I'll look at it. I, I looked at one email that <clears throat> without, I only, I started reading, but it's 3,000 pages. I like on page 10, I was like, how long is this thing? I was like, it's 3,000 pages. <laughs> so I probably didn't get through yet. But the, uh, the one thing that somebody highlighted, one, one article is about how the bioweapon was created. Right. That I did you see that particular email? Oh yeah. Okay. So, but but did anyone ever see a response from Fauci on that? Mm, not I don't personally. Think so yeah, not personally. No. See, if there's no response, we're having to our it, friend Mikey dig into them as we speak. Yeah. yeah. That would be good. That would be good. <laughs> don't punch Mikey in. There's a a response. You know, if there's a response to it, then we understand. But how would you really want to be respond? I get some troll ass emails. Like I. And when I was talking about that anti-Semitism thing, you guys probably don't see it as much, but when I was on the radio, I was peppered constantly with emails. People wanted me to go there. Like they were definitely trolls. I had plenty of trolls. Whenever I went the Boston Marathon bombing, I mean, people really tried to blow me up on the air and stuff. It was so clear in retrospect that they were trolls, like paid. And they just always wanted me to go towards the um, anti-Semitism thing. They, they, because they probably wanted to be able to discredit me, you know, by like, you know, w whether details of Israel's behavior is true or not, you, what you don't want to do is fall into a trap like that. So I got a lot of emails that made me uncomfortable just receiving. And so that's an easy thing to do, but I'll tell you this. I was reading, I wish I had it handy, a book called, oh, so I like, rephrase that. I found reading Technological Slavery by Kaczynski really interesting. So, you know, Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, kill people, bad. But he wrote a book, Technological Slavery, which was the manifesto that he had published. 
right. in like the New York Times or something, forced him to publish it. And what it was, was about basically technology is the problem and there's no compromising with it. So, you know, get yourself a, like a rock and a stick and <laughs> try to figure out how to eat with that. So, but he said that he like pulled all his information together from other sources. He wasn't an original thinker, according to him, although he was the youngest person to get into Harvard at that time and the youngest math professor at Berkeley, but whatever, or professor at Berkeley at that time. Uh, so... So, but he credits Elul, Jacques Elul, who's actually the opposite. He would never do unibombery stuff. He was, he was actually a spiritualist. I think he might've been a spiritualist anarchist like Tolstoy. I have to check on that. But so his, he has a famous book on propaganda, but the book I was reading was technological, the technological society. And in the back, he had just this little thing on propaganda, just like a couple of pages that wasn't in his other book. And he, one of the things that said in there was, that the only unexploited psychological phenomenon that propaganda just had not yet mastered, had not yet exploited, so keep your eye out for it, was the Oedipus complex, where you kill your mother and you marry your father. <clears throat> and I only read that a couple of, you know, maybe a month ago. I had never seen that before. Isn't and, it kill your father to marry your mother? So Oedipus was a king, Oedipus Rex, I guess. Oedipus was a king in Greek. I'm not very well educated. So I just pick these things up as I go. And he returned to this kingdom and the way to the, his home kingdom, which he, I guess, couldn't remember or something like that. I think he killed his father on the, no, he killed the king and he went and married the queen, but he found out later that the king was his father and the queen was his mother. That's is a spoiler, but the story is like, 3,000, 2,500 years old. So I don't even like when people tell me, yeah, when people tell me what's at the end of the Bible, I'm like, I don't, don't tell me that. Like, I understand the crucifixion part, but like the apocalypse, like I want to read that myself. <clears throat> so they're mastering this. This is very interesting. I was just having a conversation, not on a podcast about this exact thing. The, that's why I knew to uh, make that correction. But, but yeah, can you elaborate further on this? So I had wondered all along, like, why? So I saw them do it with Newsom. I, there's, so I live in California now, and Gavin Newsom is a fucking tyrant in California, just like Andrew Cuomo is in New York. And they put the biggest lockdowns and had the worst case result, case, cases of COVID, you know, whatever you think about the numbers. That's just, let's say that's that. And they got away with it. And they were heroes and you know andrew cuomo won an emmy and which is really really funny and newsom you know whatever he's the toast of the town and now all of a sudden they want to impeach him the other guy's getting thrown out on sexual harassment charges like those things pop up out of nowhere i mean come on right i mean those things are obviously time and i and i started to think that maybe this was the manifestation or when I read the thing in Elul, I was like, Oh, that's why they're getting rid of those guys. Like they are slaying the father. So you marry those, but, but I don't really. And I assume that they will have Biden die and mama Kamala will be our, you know, queen. Wow. So I assume that's what's next, but I don't, I don't really, you know, I, some, some of these things I don't believe in. So I don't like believe in the, penis envy like they say little girls have penis i didn't know what a penis was like basically until well, I yeah no I, I would agree with you there freud certainly made a lot of crazy psychoanalysis that shouldn't be you know taken seriously these days but when you mentioned uh ted kaczynski 
um, it kind of brings a loop back to what we were talking about with 9-11 a little bit because this book I have in front of me, I've been reading called Time in the Technosphere by Jose Argales, right? One of the things that he supposes through this book is that we live in this kind of biosphere, mind sphere, and in between is the technosphere. And because we've changed our clocks, this has thrown us off of our natural rhythm to such degree that 9-11 was an inevitable cataclysmic event, right? Like this boilerplate, like building up of tension. And if you think about it, I mean, the way human beings have structured our industrial civilization, we have gone and replaced all of the biological means of creating life with technological or industrial means and those are not congruent with the earth overall right so not to go into the global warming stuff because i know there's a lot of stuff there and that brings me back to like what they do constantly is they take something that is important and they give you two extremes of it right i mean would you say more often than not you're finding yourself in the middle ground i mean i would say libertarianism is pretty middle uh, of the way yeah that's what i was saying when you said like your family wouldn't listen to mine and i totally get that i wasn't i wasn't miffed i just thought yeah yeah i get it but but i think that i'm totally because i'm rational i am a rational person who uses the skills the tools that we were taught was how we were supposed to think about stuff. I mean, I was, my father's a truck driver. He didn't go to college, so he probably was a little sharper. <laughs> like in the thinking department, like he didn't tell me to believe anything. He would just tell me how to think about things because that's how he thought. And his mother was an orphan who uh, worked at colleges and so she would work as a maid cleaning any place that had a library. So these are people who just learn to think and think and, and read and know and understand and evaluate. So. Uh, I was taught that way, but it was totally consistent with what they, they say is thinking, you know? And so I feel like I don't make logical errors too much. I try not to make, I'm aware of them and I'm like, I genuinely trying to avoid them. And that's like the, I'm not saying like, I'm honest. I'm saying anybody who's like aware of fallacies, understands logical thinking and is truly trying to get to the truth should be someone you can have a conversation with and that's not true anymore and i and so for me i've stopped you know slowly but surely i've stopped caring what people think anymore it's like really disturbing to me but like when i was on when like when i was on the radio and the people would call about trump and tell me you know, at least she's, he's not Hillary. I would say, that's the best you got? Like, you know, grow a spine. Like, what the hell? You know, have your values. Die for them if you have to. But, you know, what you used to say, think you would. And so, and then now with the COVID stuff, it's just ridiculous. You can't have an honest conversation. I call it vax borging. Once somebody's been faxed, they're like a fucking member of the Borg. And they're just like, I will be assimilated. You know, I can't. I can't take the 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 irrationality and then even it even got to the point where the race stuff is so I was so hypersensitive. That's why I didn't like the the people sending me the anti-Semitic emails and I, I had racist, anti-immigrant people, and I'm convinced that they were just there to turn me into an asshole that they could throw into the fire later. And I never I never bought it because it was like offensive to me. 
not that I don't understand what the Frankfurt School is or cultural Marxism. It's awful. It's I'm an individualist. I don't care about that stuff at all. And with the internet, we can have an avatar, any color or size or shape that we want. I could be the I could buy now, especially with the Zoom fudging thing and the background. I could be anybody, you know? You don't need to have those labels anymore. And I'll even now. When Binkley used to like make jokes like that, I would say, you know, it's like, oh, everything's a racist, everything. I was just like, don't, you know, come on, you people really have suffered. And now I'm like, you know what? The the people who are making us bend the knee or speak in exact language to keep us from having any kind of humor, they're keeping us from connecting with each other past those labels. So fuck the labels, fuck the PC. You know what I mean? Like, just, I, I don't care. Like, I, I'm willing to uh, offend you now. I'm sorry. If you are offended by me, who's a well-meaning person, who's rational, then then I can't, you know, the, you're the problem. <laughs> you know? right. yeah. And I just, I, I have to stop caring. I mean, you know, I'm just a soccer mom. Like, I just really don't, <laughs> I don't want to piss everybody off. When people get the vax, I'm just like, ah, like, I'd hug you. But did you say you just got the vax? Because I don't, <laughs> I don't know what shit you are breathing. I got the COVID. I think the only person I'd seen in the longest time was a chick who was just telling me the story if she was sick from the vax yesterday. And I was like, yeah, the vax yesterday. Oh, <laughs> and I got sick the next day, but I had the COVID and now I have the antibodies, which blows my mind because I'm like, what the hell are antibodies? Because I don't, I don't know what the hell COVID is. You know, I thought it was 5G. Now I'm thinking it's a bio weapon. Yeah, no, I don't, I, think, I don't really know. I think but... the flu just got renamed. That's all. <laughs> what, what, the flu? Oh, I was, no, it was weird. It felt totally like chemical or electrical. Like, I'm glad I had it because I know I just, I didn't, couldn't taste or smell. Like, well, I didn't really funny. believe it too much, but I, but I wasn't congested. I thought the taste and smell was about congestion, but it, it wasn't. No, well, no, well. I have heard that those are symptoms of radioactivity, radioactive. And you know what else is? Pneumonitis, which they're talking about pneumonia and stuff. And I was like, my lungs feel like I breathed a chemical or a chemical. Mm. And I just dug in and I, oh, this is what I did. I looked up what is, what is radiation sickness yeah. and people. So it was Thanksgiving that my husband said, man, do not. And he's like such a normie. He's like, did you see what is going up by the honey baked ham? And I was like, no, and I drove by the honey baked ham. And it looked like, it looked like a pine tree, but it was just, but it was before they oh, painted yeah. Like if you look around, you can see the towers are painted green. They look like trees, but they're painted yeah. green, but this oh, was before they painted it. So it was huge, like a huge tree. And it was all the way down to like maybe 10 feet above the parking lot of Honey Baked Farm. And I'm, I won't ever go in there again. And I'm afraid like the poor employee is probably getting sick. But that was Thanksgiving and I got sick on January 15th. So I doubt it was the Vax girl. I think it was, might've been that. But so I looked and I thought, what is radiation poisoning? And it said that people who get radiation treatment from chemo or from cancer therapy, they they can get pneumonitis, which is an inflammation of the lungs, and it had all of those symptoms, and it can emerge up to eight weeks after. And it was like literally to the effing day, eight yeah. weeks after my husband told me that. I have the text. I was yeah. like, what? And then for the whole couple of weeks after that, and I was talking about it on the air before I got it. I said to I said I knew I was like I kind of think this thing is not real, but everybody I know is getting it, and they think it's real. They they get antibody tests like. 
the PCR test, no, we're not correlated to me, but the sickness is correlated to the antibody. I don't know what the, I'm trying to figure out what antibodies are. I'm like, is that really antibodies? Cause you know, white blood cells are really something bigger than just like a, like an infection, like stress causes a cancer will make your white blood. So I don't really know, but I'm just telling you whatever they're testing for, it does seem correlated with the people who got it, but I knew everyone was getting sick. And I figured I would get sick because everyone was sick. And then for the next couple of weeks, there were trucks on every street in my neighborhood, like just doing shit. And my oh. husband was like, oh, that's just sewer. It's like sewer. That's a cable truck. It's a giant truck with cable. And it says cable truck, like oh. not cable TV, but like a truck full of cable. And I don't even yeah. know what cable is. Like what? <laughs> I know nothing. Oh. I just oh, don't. Yeah. I'm like, that's weird. You're on so I felt it was like uh, I, my vote would be for the radiation thing. Yeah, I remember before any mention of viruses in maybe January, even 2019, 5G was a hot topic. People were talking about the dangers of it. I bought this uh, EMF protective fabric and I put it in. Oh, yeah, Faraday fabric. Yeah, yeah. I put it inside of like coat pockets so I could mm -hmm. have my phone not kill me every time I have it in my jacket, you know, and all of a sudden, viruses, viruses, viruses. That's all people are talking about. Not much about 5G in the past year, at least from my perspective. But I, I definitely think that that's somewhere to look because when I was on a date with some, you know, random person, this girl I was I was seeing on Tinder probably like uh, last June, she worked for AT&T. So me being a conspiracy theorist, you know, making small talk, I'm like, so you work for AT&T? What have you guys been up to? Are you busy this time of year? Uh, you know, and she's like, well, actually, as a matter of fact, these schools are all out, you know, so because the kids were all out of school and we've been doing a lot of work in the schools. And I'm like, oh, really? What are you what are you installing? 5G. So I had, you know, and this was around the beginning of my podcast, actually. So I think I did a little Patreon about it. But yeah, there was a, a girl I met and she told me that. Yeah, she worked for AT&T. So that really rings a bell for me because one of the things I had against Trump, I would try to tell people like, what is it that you like about him? He does. He never in this campaign and his presidency, he never talks about the Bill of Rights. Never, ever, ever. And that's all I want. Just pick one. Just pick one and save one, you know, but he would never do that. And then another thing was um, I noticed a uh, an article in a local newspaper, the town we were moving to, said that that the FCC, which was a Trump administration, he's got control over that, really. He could control it. They told the town that they weren't allowed to say no. They had to allow this 5G rollout on, I believe, the public property or the schools. Like, I don't know what. Within 90 days, they had. it was called a shot clock. I remember very distinctly. And they said, there is no exception. You have to allow it. You can. And this is real hijacking of the municipal provenance. You know, you really can't. Um, I highly object to the federal government telling me I can't control my town. Right. I mean, it was they put up a fight. So I thought it wasn't wasn't a terrible place to move to. But uh, but that's funny because that would be when they would do it. And people wouldn't notice because these people in this town did not want that. And I'm sure they got it anyway. As I said, I saw it. But one thing I did recently, I tweeted and a person pointed out that it could just be a question of population centers. So it could have been that, but I tweeted a map of 5G rollout as of August, 2020 and a map of 
COVID cases as of 2020. And it was like exact oh, match. Yeah. It was so crazy. <laughs> and I was like, okay. I mean, I looked for it because I was wondering if that's what it said. And it did say that. So we can keep, you know, looking for more evidence to that effect. But it was just a really weird thing. And I also read a bioweapons book by that same guy who wrote OKC, Jim Keith. Uh, and it said that... He talks about he he he's very good about what there's documentary evidence of and like before the 70s there was a lot of documentation and then after this of, of that MK Ultra has another book, but the bioweapon stuff they would just spray shit on towns, I mean they would just spray shit on towns. I never saw an example where it said they gave somebody a virus and told that person to go breathe on other St. people. Louis was a, a city where that happened, right? I, I believe St. Louis is a very famous case of oh, people yeah. aerosol spraying and having a lot of complications yeah that the government is not uh afraid to test on its own citizens absolutely not yeah and it's bioweapons so i really don't know i don't i never believe the wuhan lab thing just because i don't have time to vet stuff that has two features one it's being thrown in my face a lot and two a lot of people who vet that stuff are already on it and it'll come out eventually. I don't need to be the first mover, but I usually dismiss anything that's got a lot of attention because it'll either come out or it'll go away, but it doesn't need me. Mm. So yeah. I didn't really go into that, but the, but the 5g thing was kind of more dismissed. And even then, you know, it was only like when my husband said that and then we got sick and I just thought, and I felt it like it, I never get sick. I've been, I used to get bronchitis when I was a kid. It wasn't even that I used to smoke. I get sick all the time. It was not like that. Really? For me, you know, but I, I'm positive. It was like nothing I ever had. And, and yeah. it annoys me because I didn't really, you know, I don't believe in virus. I still don't believe in viruses. So like, if you tell me you have a, a contagious vaccine, like I have to wonder what that is, like what in a genetic, you know, maybe viruses are really, maybe what really came out as a virus with the qualities that we're told was invented because they, they are so advanced from us. And, and what are viruses? They're little, they're, they're membranes. Like the coronavirus is a, is a membrane with a bunch of piercing fusion proteins on it, right? So it pierces the membrane and grabs onto it and deposits some genetic material that then goes along the thing and can actually replace your genes. Like that's what the, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe infectious viruses are an invention. Yeah, no, I mean, that's what they tell us. That's how viruses operate. They get inside, they hijack, you know, almost like a parasite, but it's, Definitely, you know, the world gets stranger and stranger as more comes out. I don't really uh, personally fear viruses like you. I, I kind of have this, I don't want to say it's obliviousness to it, but I have a lot of faith in my own immune system and my ability to take care of my health and, and monitor my own health. And we've talked to a lot of people on this show who uh, are health experts who kind of resonate with that. I'm sure you've had similar conversations, but kind of wrapping up, we know you got to go. You, uh, you're a busy lady and we appreciate you ha having time to uh, join us, but I'd like to end on some solutions. So what would you say, some advice to offer our listeners, um, you know, from all the experience you have parsing through the propaganda that constantly flows at us? I, I think it's, it's a, a message that kind of brings together three different things. Like my St. Peter 
viewpoint, my mom viewpoint and my own experience in this journey that we've been talking about. And it's all the same. It's all, oh my gosh. It's, it's all like goes back to Harry Brown's definition of libertarianism. And what he said was that we must never define ourselves in terms of uh, conservative or liberal. We're not fiscal conservatives and social liberals. We believe in individual liberty and personal responsibility on all issues at all times. And I, and in order to truly be, have individual liberty and personal responsibility, I think you have to live that. And I think you have to impart it to your kids and you have to have the courage to live it. So I think I'm free, but I live on a grid, you know, in a machine. So how do I, what makes me free? Because I'm an individual organism and I could live on my own in the woods, you know, on God, in the Garden of Eden, you know, I'm an individual. So I think get to the bottom of what, what will make you free in body, I think will make you free in soul. So if you can feed yourself, if you've got that chicken and go to the, go to the city hall meetings, make sure they're not taking your guns or your chickens tomorrow. You can collect your rainwater. I still like, that's even worse than reading the newspaper, in my opinion. Maybe, maybe I won't get there. And maybe that's where intergenerational wisdom comes. And maybe I would have started earlier. If, if my father did tell me all this stuff. I had to learn it all myself. But even with my kids, like I, I think I didn't really understand the importance of self-sufficiency, of skills, of like the skills that are connected to or your essence as a physical and spiritual being. So be honest with yourself. You know, maybe when hallucinogenics start making a comeback, that, that'll help. I really don't know. But if you can be honest with yourself somehow and also know the simple things of making a fire or growing a chicken, which just shows you how far away from that, and the courage to you know, get your story straight for when you got to tell it to St. Peter. And, and if, if you think you're going to have to start fudging a little bit, then you might have to revisit the choices you're making. Yeah. No, I love it. Monica, thank you so much. Psychedelics have made a comeback for those who listened to the episode before that. Megan Cush uh, was on the show and she sent us some bins, which is really cool. Maybe you should check those out, Monica. I was on the Airy Brothers and they run marathons. Uh, yes, I yes. You emailed me about that. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. So I know. I see, I see it coming. All right. I'm, I'm intrigued. All right. Well, Ladies and gentlemen, you know where to find her. The Propaganda Report. They got episodes coming out weekly, daily, all kinds of great stuff. Check her out. And Brad Binkley, too. Wishing Brad the best, you know, with everything going on. And uh, Monica, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Listeners, have a great day. Thanks for listening. Take it easy. Thank you. Mark is bananas. Crazy. Okay, this guy's losing his mind. I Don't listen crazy to him. For feeling so lonely. Follow us on patreon.com slash mftic. That's patreon.com slash mftic.